Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Lunch with Tech Leaders. My name's Kyle. I'm an SRE GitHub. Um, I'm hosting today along with Tom Kowalski. Hello. All right. And today we have special guest Jordan DeBeer joining us. Hi there. And uh, we also have uh, Joel Coleman, as always. Thank you there. Hey there, guys. Thank you so much for the intro there, Kyle. Just a reminder, any of our listeners have any questions at all, want me to kind of jump in and interject there, uh, put them in the chat, and I'll make sure that uh, we get to that topic. So thank you so much. Awesome. So uh, today we are talking about building a strong SRE culture uh, in an organization. And uh, the way we're kind of going to talk about this is sort of in three parts. Uh, we're going to start talk, just giving a quick refresher on what SRE is. Um, then we're going to talk a little bit about the cultural aspects of SRE and then how those cultural aspects can be scaled to an organization. So I'm going to start a little bit with just a quick refresher on what SRE is. So SRE, if you're not sure, uh, it means Site Reliability Engineering or Site Reliability Engineer if you're talking about the role. Um, and the general gist of it is it's a software engineering approach to operational problems um, such as reliability. And it's not just a role, uh, but also a mindset. Uh, it's an opportunity to shift how production systems are owned and operated. Um, I don't know if Tom or Jordan, do you have any other thoughts or anything you want to add to that? Oh, I think that uh, kind of like hits the nail on the head perfectly. Um, you know, this is, if we think of like DevOps as a philosophy, I think SRE is like an implementation of that. Um, that's one of the kind of mental models that I use, and I think it maps pretty well, whereas SRE is specifically focused on the reliability parts of it. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree as well. I'm interested in that, the definition of culture as we go into that, but um, but yeah, I think it's a good yes. definition of SRE. That's interesting, and the definition of culture, right? So, like, if we talk about SRE in in culture, like, you know, SRE is is focused on reliability. And if you think about like organizational culture, the, I, the way I think about it, at least, is like what an organization naturally like leans towards when making decisions. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what uh, you both think about that. Yeah, I think it's kind of a. Uh culture kind of comes down uh, maybe i'm getting a little too uh sociological here but it's kind of like a shared set of values when we're talking about it around sre and i think that's I, and i'm really happy you started with like the cultural aspect of it and that question because i don't think you can do sre if you don't have that shared set of values across the organization as just something that everyone is aware of and focused on and agrees is like important and it, it sets a it sets a way for everyone to talk about something, right? You're you're kind of putting uh, a word and in a, in a um uh, a word in like lexography to an idea, which is super powerful for kind of like talking amongst uh, you know an organization. So 
yeah, that's kind of how I would define culture is just the, the shared set of values. Yeah, and how you kind of talked about uh, the communicating. And for me, the the biggest aspect when I'm thinking of organizational culture is is how the organization communicates uh, with each other. I, f- I feel like that's a, a big factor, right? And having that standard of how things are communicated, right? That that shared lexicon, like you said. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's how I view it. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about SRE in that respect. Yeah, so let's let's dig into a little bit of the cultural aspects of SRE. And there's a few that I have uh, sort of, you know, that based on my experience, uh, I think are important, um, but I would love to hear other thoughts as well. Um, so some of the ones that I, I see as important, you know, based on my experiences every day are number one, embracing and, and accepting failure as an opportunity to learn. Um, you can't really be scared to fail um, because otherwise you just get into like a paralysis of, of decision. And, you know, it is important to be reliable and that's the number one job, but also you don't learn how to make a system reliable if you don't touch it and analyze it and, and kind of, you know, uh, yeah. Um, and I think that also leads into uh, having a blameless culture, like, accepting failure is okay. And when failure does happen, uh, it's not a person's fault. There's, there's something, there's something wrong with a system or a process, um, that caused that failure to happen. Uh, that's, that's always hard, right? You know, you, you say it, you, you read about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to do, right? Cause everybody yeah. has their own, where they're coming from, right? Like, one team, it might be easy to to implement that where, um, but yeah, if if you have multiple teams coming together and different perspectives, it's it's very hard to get the the blameless. Right? I don't know if yes. what experiences you've had and what uh, has helped um, to kind of set that cultural aspect. I can yeah, I can say at least from from my side, uh, you know, I, it definitely like if if especially when it's there's not a clear line of like who owns what it can be easy to just toss the issue to the other side like you know let's say for example like there's a database issue an application cc is a database issue oh database team go fix it when no nah, that's not necessarily always a solution right yeah yeah that you just nailed it right that the clear responsibilities that's i'm a huge proponent of that and i feel like that's where a lot of things break down right when the issues and um it's not knowing who's responsible right and not having that transparent and and understood across everybody is is really big yeah or like a downstream dependency right like if you have like two microservices and and you have a downstream dependency and that goes down uh, is is the reliability on you know that product team or is it on another one um I've seen it kind of like go almost like both ways. Um, sometimes it's like you own your dependencies and you need to be able to fail gracefully from them. And other times it's like, well, you know, we're we're fully service oriented architecture and that service wasn't available. So it's it's not our reliability. Um, I don't think there's really like a right or a wrong way. I, I think both of those have kind of like pros and cons and, you know, um, allow for different kinds of organizations. I think the most important part though is just being aware that like, you do have to draw the line somewhere for ownership. 
Um, but ownership doesn't necessarily confer blame, right? Like if an application goes down, it's probably not because, you know, an individual did something wrong. They were usually acting in like, that's kind of like security things, you know, like they're acting in like their own, the best way that they know how most of the time. And if they fail, maybe it's like a training problem. Maybe it's, you know, they had too much permissions or something like that. So I think you can still have that concept of ownership. And then when something goes wrong, not conferring it to blame on like individuals, you know, more failures of process uh, than, you know, individual individuals that need to be conferred blame. Yep. Agreed. And like, yeah, I, I think like those, those failures are back to kind of like failures being an opportunity, right? Like that, those are great opportunities to be like, well, why did we have to run this script manually in production? Like that obviously is a big risk. Um, and I think, I think a lot of what we're talking about touches on another sort of cultural point of like shared ownership, like everybody having, ha having a bit of a stake in, in the reliability of a system. Um, uh, you know, not just the team that, that develops a system, but like, you know, operators, uh, people that own infrastructure that the application owns on, everybody shares a bit of responsibility and, you know, kind of breaking down those silos though there could be cross collaboration rather than just throwing a problem to a different silo. Yeah. I, th I think, I think just having the, the transparency helps with that. Um, because yeah, I, I feel like you do want someone there are teams, you know, that are directly responsible and you can see what they're doing uh, and, and understanding that. Um, but I feel like the shared responsibility kind of comes from the transparency. This is what we're doing. You can see this, right? And you should be able to understand it when you're communicating with us and, and uh, yeah, and, and being able to be able to see the issues if you have it or contribute, right? Um, having that transparency, I really help, feel like helps with the shared responsibility. Yeah, and I love you let you said the ability to contribute, right? Because like, you know, first you enable the transparency so other teams can see what you're doing, but then giving them the power to kind of like go in there and, and help out. Um, I was working with one uh, service team and they had an issue with their upstream going down and they were kind of siloed off because they were a different company that was part of the acquisition. And over the process of a couple of years, they kind of started integrating more giving each other more access to like shared dashboards and that sort of thing. And eventually they got um, like code access to, you know, the upstream each other's code bases. And they were able to collaborate like way more effectively um, from a technical perspective in that regard. And obviously there was still like a cultural and uh, organizational aspect to blending those two teams, but yeah, giving them the ability to actually go in there and, and help out, um, you know, help both teams. So upstream was able to improve their reliability and therefore the downstream was as well. So super, super um, good point there. He actually had a, a recent one at GitHub where um, there was an incident kind of like one of the outcomes was both the one of the application teams whose database was impacted, the database team working together to kind of really dig in and and kind of not just solve like the the, the, the easy win, but kind of dig a little bit deeper and find some like more deep, like rooted issues uh, that resulted in more of a larger win for the organization as a whole. So I think that's another great example of that, that working well. Um, now, sort of like the, one of the last ones, and this is kind of, we talked about this in the beginning is reliability is number one. Um, you know, it's great if you, you add a bunch of new features, but like if your system's down all the time, 
and you know people aren't going to trust it. And even if you add some shiny new features, it's not going to matter if your cust if if your customers don't trust that your system's going to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I completely agree. I think that reliability should be treated uh, just like any features, right? Security, it should be prioritized the same. I, it's kind of hard to do, right? There's like rice scores and things like that, but. I think uh, they should be all stacked up um, right next to each other from security to reliability to the value, right? The features that you're delivering, which in turn is all kind of value to them, but um, yeah. Yeah. And that's the perfect way to think about it because, you know, if you give me a billion dollars, like I can add some nines of reliability to your system. Like you don't even need to tell me anything about it. If you give me a billion dollars, I know I can do that. But actually being able to say like, hey, this is a feature it is a thing that exists that we want to get towards and you treat it like a feature. Um, the most important feature, it, it lets you put a price on that reliability. So, you know, if you could increase your reliability by like, you know, from two to three nines by spending $10, would you do that? Well, no, we don't really care. This application is only available from nine to five. You know, if it goes down at 7 PM, nobody actually cares. Or, you know, yeah, we have a million users. If I can spend, you know, a little bit of extra money in order to improve that reliability or spend the effort and the time in order to get there, um, I want to do it. So, yeah, treating it like a feature, the most important feature, really lets you evaluate it against other things and, and lets you um, think about how you want to spend your time. Do you want to add that new feature in order to get some new customers or do you need to improve the reliability? Um, and, and SLOs are part of the way you get there. But, yeah, treating it as the most important thing. But as a feature in and of itself is, I think, super important. I think that leads greatly into like the last point I want to make is like embracing risk and and having the numbers and like the money to tell you like, hey, like, can I, can I do something experimental or do I need to focus on reliability? And there's a lot of ways to do that, you know, like um, uh, error budgets. Uh, but that gives you like a good indication of like when when's the right time to embrace risk and when is it time to step back and 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 focus on reliability i think yeah I've, I've never dealt with those but yeah jordan if you've like the slos and like being able to you know really give that concrete value right assigned to it um at a small scale but i'm sure it's a lot different like google or other places it's kind of i think it started with like security but i think it it, it the same story with like reliability like I'm pretty sure Google could get like much closer to 100% reliability or just across the board if we turned off version control. Like, just stop like developers from doing anything, and then all yeah, of a sudden, no like, changes. yeah, no changes, and yeah. all of a sudden, everything's up all of the time. You know, we're, we're really uh -huh. good at dealing with hardware failures, and most companies, you know, get there. Um, but you know, if you're not actually saying like, hey, we know we're going to have some downtime, you're not actually targeting, you know, 100% availability then all of a sudden 100% availability isn't your goal anymore. It's, you know, five nines or four nines or, you know, however you want to measure your reliability there, SLOs and things like that. Um, it really gives you the ability to embrace that risk and say like, yeah, this might go down, this might happen. Um, it's an experiment, um, but we're going to be better off at the end for it. And we actually have kind of the error budget to do that. Um, I think if you don't have this kind of like cultural foundation, like the, the part that I think we want to talk about, like scaling the culture, um, if you don't have this and, and the other kind of points as well, um, you'll never be able to scale it because you just don't have the foundation to stand on. Agreed. Yeah. And, and having like 
having that data as well to kind of like to, to, to show to others like, hey, this is what things look like is really important. Um, yeah, so so like taking these and sort of scaling them, I, I kind of see it as, you know, you can combine sort of like a bottom up approach and like a top down approach um, to, to achieve this. Um, I think one of the most important things, at least from like the bottom up is, is education and communication, like having channels to like communicate the, the, the sort of principles of SRE show people in implementation, how that works, whether it's like workshops, um, having like good documentation that is easily referenceable to, so people can easily know what the right thing to do is. Um, I think it's really important as well. Yeah. For, for me, when it, you know, when you're talking about the top down and bottom up, it's uh, you want the things to come bottom up, right. To, to have that ownership for the, the teams and their decisions and what they're doing. Um, but I feel like from the top down, it's the pri the responsibility is to facilitate that, right. Facilitate that communication and, and transparency and enabling the the teams to do that that bottom up kind of setting the guardrails right so it's not you know all willy nilly but you know this is the set standards but you know allowing the bottom up to make those decisions to feel uh, empowered to do that um, it's kind of how I see the the play in top and down and bottom up yeah yeah the top down kind of approach is less about like you're doing SRE with an iron fist and more enabling teams to actually embody those sorts of like values in that culture and, you know, helping set the, the vision for the company as well as like take those values of SRE and make sure that they're broadly distributed across the organization. Because I, I've never seen, you know, a new CEO, CTO come in and say like, yeah, we do SRE now. And it actually like just work, you know, it, it's something that kind of like has to come from, you know, software engineers and, and uh, operations teams and, you know, SREs and things like that. Um, so, so the top-down approach is less iron fist and more enabling that that, uh, that adoption and, and cementing those values. I can give an example of like sort of recently at GitHub, what we've been doing is like these we weekly, are we available yet meetings where we talk about sort of like numbers, availability numbers on a high level. But one of the things that leadership does is focus on the success stories of like, hey, we, we had this problem, we did this thing, and now the result is we're more reliable. And I think you know, spreading that message, leadership spreading that message is going to make people more motivated to be like, oh, well, I want to focus on reliability. It seems like, you know, something that we really care about. And like, yeah, facilitating rather than mandating, because if you mandate, you're not going to get anywhere. Uh, yeah, that's, people a, aren't gonna that's a strong motivator, right? What what your neighbors are doing. Um, yeah. so like studies on it, right? If you show like, oh, your neighbors do this, right? People use less power, right? If they see their neighbors use less power. So yeah, I think... That's something that we uh, we use in our organization is, it's kind of hard to spread it, but the best way to do it is make it transparent, right? This is what this team is doing. This is how reliable they are, right? Their um, reliability and allowing other teams to see that and, you know, see that, oh, that's that's cool. I want to do that is a, is a great way to uh, let that spread, right, and motivate. Yeah. Um, we, we talked a little bit about this uh, before, but I think and actually enabling also, like, cross-functional collaboration, like l allowing people to work together um, is is really important. And that's, you know, having those different expertise is is going to kind of naturally facilitate more of like a reliability culture because people can work together. 
um, you know, when, when, when there's, you know, too many silos and, and you have to just say, oh, it's somebody else's problem. You're not invested. Right. Like it's just like, whatever. Yeah. And it's discouraging uh, too. Right. Like if, if you're kind of catching slack for your reliability or your team and your, you know, your organization, or your product, or your application, um, and, and you don't have any capabilities to kind of like do anything to fix it. It's, it's pretty discouraging. Right. Um, so I think that helps a lot with like morale as well as just overall, I think it's battle for the organization, um, to have that, that deep collaboration. Agreed. And I think another thing that's important, um, is, is having like metrics and actually establishing goals. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, like, we could say like, oh, we're getting better at SRE, but if there's nothing to prove that, like if there's no numbers to prove that, then you you'd never know how you're doing. And I think that having that sort of like uh metric that you can look at and say, hey, like, you know, let's say in like SLOs for some system and like being able to say, hey, look, like over the past month, our, we've been, we've been hitting our SLO target more often than we were before. Um, it, it gives you that motivation and it gives you that like, validity of like hey we're actually making change so i've always had the issue with you know some of these numbers right of metrics of being able to say yeah we're we're doing better it, it's hard it's hard to hit the the right numbers right what what is the real metric uh what are, what are some of the things that you know have that you put metrics on that you know really determine you know are we getting better yeah so so there's a there's a i mean it really depends on what matters to your system, but like, you know, at a, at a very high level, I mean, just measuring availability, like, you know, even like if it's a web service, like how many successful responses are we getting over like our total sort of responses to the system? That's a very simple way to, to measure it. I, you know, and it might not always be a hundred percent accurate, but like it gives you a better picture than measuring nothing. Um, yeah. You know, even those that can be really deceiving, right? It, yeah. And right. you know, really breaking down like the the p value right actually is is more uh you know the, the latency and things like that so yeah it's it's always very tricky to get numbers that actually mattered right the the metrics um because yeah some of them can just be like vanity metrics like yeah yeah we're up you know they're all fat they're all you know all going through but they're super slow so you know it's like finding that real yeah. what's just you know, the saying it's like um uh, all models are inaccurate or no, all models are wrong, uh, but some of them are useful. I, I think it's yeah. a similar situation there, right? Like all metrics are wrong, but some of them are pretty useful. Um, yeah. You know, you're never going to be able to empirically say like, this is our availability, you know, um, but you can get pretty close to the point where it, um, it's giving you a useful measure to kind of like compare yourself against over time. And I think it also comes down to like, what does your customer care about? Like, if you understand like yeah. what what your customer expects out of your system, that can give you a good guidepost of like what should I measure? Because um, really, it, it all comes down to the customer at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, if you're doing random things and like, let's say like your customers are okay with it taking five seconds to do something, and you are measuring for like you know one second, like you can be more lenient because your customers are like, well, I I'm fine with five seconds. Like it's maybe measuring for like one or millisecond uh response time isn't as important in this case but there might be other systems where it's like yeah they expect like under 200 millisecond response time and that's where it's more important to like yeah measure that. and that's where it gets really tricky right because it is all about the the customer experience right that perceived value 
when you know you can look at all oh, these calls are all taking two seconds but all those calls that are happening are you know being cache preloaded prefetched right so the user is isn't experiencing any of it and are you know it's almost instant for them so yeah it's very very tricky to get the the metrics that that really matter you got to understand the system and yeah what what matters to the user and yeah and I know we already talked about values, but as we talk about this, I would wonder if there's like another one that we could kind of like point out that like we have to be customer centric in some regard, like just picking like, yeah, we're five nines of availability is it's not super useful if your customers don't really expect it um, or if they're not using it, you know, five nines percent of the time. Um, having some sort of way to tie that back into like you kept saying, Tom, like the value part of it or like the customer feedback or, or just like the customer input, um, I think it's probably a value that you need to have in SRE in order to succeed. 100%. 100%. Like, yeah, if if we're not understanding what our customer wants out of a system, like how can we even say that we're available? I mean, we can say that like all oh, our requests succeeded, but that doesn't really mean much if you don't know what the customer cares about. I, I think another thing that, you know, that's important is, is embedding best practices in a way that like, almost like guardrails, right? Like, you know, uh, making it so like, Hey, like, like you need to have these certain checks or like, Hey, we're going to already automatically measure these certain things for you, making it like super simple to, to do the right thing. Like, so I don't even have to think about it. Um, and, and sort of naturally that's going to like change your culture just because like, that's just automatically ingrained to everything you do yeah like a z like it's almost like a zero cost abstraction for like those sorts of things man um i first remember when i was like playing with like service measures as an example um you know trying to figure out like well why is this useful they're really complicated why should i use this thing um and then when i saw that hey i get all of these metrics for free it was a huge part no longer am i instrumenting my application in like five different languages um i automatically get the request count you know their uh, responses and then their error codes and things like that um and, and you know once the service measure is there every app that gets onboarded onto that those metrics are, are pre-built in and baked in um it, it makes it much easier to, you know do the sre so to speak when those things you're getting for free or you know zero cost um, and it, it's just part of something that you have without, um, without having to like engineer and put in a bunch of effort. Um, yeah, it's that balance, right? Cause sometimes you get locked in or, you know, it doesn't have the features that you need or, um, but yeah, if it's, if you got to strike that balance, right. What, what matters to your company and, you know, what you're trying to do and if it makes sense, right. To, to really standardize things that way and how much you standardize, but yeah it can make it a, lo a lot easier. Um, yeah, and I think there's process there too, right? Like I, I talked about tooling, but uh, you know, just having a document out there on how to do like a post-mortem, um, huge. Like don't make, solving, solving organizational problems are really challenging. That's kind of like why we're here and talking about this and just having like process in place or just like something written down, um, it goes a long way. Very clear. Very clear, simple, right? Yeah, people hear documentation a lot, and it's just like, oh gosh, you know, like you got to make sure that it's very usable, almost enjoyable, right? To to go through your your company wiki and, and documentation. It's that's what goes back to the culture, right? Like, 
I say it's communication. It's, you know, more about the async communication, right? Like yeah. your company wiki is, I feel like your, your biggest uh, tool to, uh, to set your, your company culture, right? And you better make sure it should be like the highest priority, right? If your CEO is making sure that uh, it's very clear to, to everybody. And yeah. Yeah. hundred, hundred percent. It's, it's like, you have to make your processes just very discoverable. Otherwise nobody's going to follow them. Right. Um, another sort of point, it's kind of ties back into the first point is like having a, like fostering and like enabling a learning culture, like making it easy to like share knowledge, making it easy to like pick up and, and spend time learning new things and having that sort of like continuous, like let's level up everybody. Let's, let's teach people new things. That sort of loop is like really important. I think. SRE is really like, not just from a, you know, here's all of the tooling and like things that we have, but just like, it, it's a whole different way to think about availability and operations and, you know, how that like works in an organization. So it, it like, it, it is very complicated and just having a level set and a way to get there really quickly. Um, some people have done some really good thinking on this and writing it down and making that available within your organization, I think is, is huge. And you know, your perception of it and how you're practicing it and adopting it. Huge, huge, huge. Hey there guys. Hey, to interject and interrupt, but um, we got a question here from Marty in the chat. Says, how do your organizations that track SLOs handle dependency services? Do you think it provides value to make these distinctions anywhere? Um, maybe when you're making decisions with your error budget? Yeah. That's a good question. So, so you really, I mean, at the end of the day, you can only be as dependent as your, your dependencies, right? Like, um, and, and you can think about dependencies in a couple ways. You can think about dependencies as a hard dependency of like, Hey, if this system goes down. Like we have a problem. Uh, you can also think of, of soft dependencies of like, Hey, if this is down, we can, we can provide a degraded experience. Um, so a lot of that's going to factor into how you think about your systems. Um, and, in in terms of measuring, uh, you know, if they have a published SLO, um, you can use that as a start. If they don't, you can you can certainly uh, track metrics so you are tracking what you expect out of them. Uh, but I would definitely like you would want to make sure that they if they don't have an SLO, it's something to definitely like work with that system about because like you need to know that in order to like know how your system can perform. I've seen it go kind of like both ways where it like has been useful to like own your dependencies. Or, you know, kind of be able to to say, like, here's where we draw the line. Um, I, I've seen it done both ways, successfully and, you know, unsuccessfully. I think just kind of having uh, having made a decision on one of those and, like, working to make it better and being willing to change it, I think is the, the most prescriptive part there. Um, I personally think that you should own your dependencies, though. Um, I, I've seen that that works well for me and like my mental model it's like if i buy a hard drive right like i know that hard drive is probably going to last you know like five years or let's just say um if i want more availability i need to go buy two hard drives and raid one um you can build reliable things on less reliable things you just have to engineer that into the solution um so you know if you want to provide some sort of thing um you're kind of responsible for their downtime and, and failing like uh, gracefully. Um, obviously, this is uh, it's going to be reflected on your users, but um, your application should still be able to handle that sort of failure. Um, and I think it's important to measure yourself with that. Go ahead. 
Yeah. What do you mean by owning it? Like owning the dependencies. I think, you know, whatever the dependency is, maybe this isn't even like an internal organization, like an internal dependency or service. Yeah. Maybe this it's is external, you know, like right? Twilio API yeah. going down. Yeah, Stripe API. There you go. Um, I think it's kind of up to you to assume that that thing is going to be unavailable and you have to take action in order to make it unavailable in a graceful way. Uh, okay. You know, maybe that's going and and not using Twilio or Stripe or something like that. Maybe you go find a new payment processor. Maybe you have two. Um, I think at the end of the day, you can't just say, well, they're down. It's not my fault. I think each team has to own kind of like their availability to some degree um, in order to empower them to make the decision on what they kind of like where their thing is going to go. You're empowering them to make like decisions and be the owner of their kind of destiny and their future. Um, yeah. so you know, it might be not using the, uh, that API. Um, it might be investing effort into fixing one of those, those, uh, dependent APIs or something like that. Uh, yeah. If you learn one thing today, be the owner of your own destiny. You can, you can do it. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I think, I think this kind of goes to like, sort of like, you know, the last point, right? we're all learning in this together, right? And and being open to feedback and being open to like understanding different perspectives and, and continuously like feeding that back into the, the culture is really important. I mean, like, uh, you know, if you, if, if you sort of like learn a best practice to, to kind of handle, um, dependency, uh, uh, dependency failure, like kind of bringing that back into the culture. Like, let's say like you can, you know, bake into your libraries like circuit breakers or something like that, right? Like just continuously feeding it back in and, and, and iterating is really important. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Yeah, I haven't met anyone that's figured it out yet. Um, I certainly yeah. have not. Um, <laughs> getting better is is always going to happen. Like time is always going to march on and we always need to get better. Um, and necessarily is no exception to that, right? Um, Things are always changing. Absolutely. Version control, yep. you know, we're always making changes. The goal, the goal posts always move somewhere else. Uh-huh. Do, do either of you have any other thoughts? Anything that you think uh, we didn't touch on for, for like spreading SRE culture? No. Um, you know, the big ones are kind of having that foundation, um, taking the iterative approach, which we kind of just talked on here. Um, I think those are really like the big things and having like actual measurable goals. If you're doing those three things, um, you're probably making progress on SRE and getting better. And you're also doing it, you're doing it well today, even if you're not like where you need to be from an availability standpoint, like the measure of SRE isn't like your availability, it's being able to control that and like improve upon it. Um, so, you know, even if your availability is, is really poor or not where you want it to be today, as long as you're getting better, I think you're doing SRE well, so. Yeah, I'd, I'd just like to add on, right? Like you said, the takeaway, owning your own destiny. Um, even if your organization doesn't do all these fancy things, right? Mandate you have SLOs and, uh, you know, have very good documentation. It's, it's on you. You can do it, you know, within your own team, you know, make sure that the services that your team owns put, you know, those standards around them, the SLOs, make sure you have very good documentation uh, so that other teams can see what's going on, have, you know, very good transparency visibility. So uh, yeah, it's not something that, oh, you know, the whole, uh, 
the whole organization has to change in order for us to to do this. You know, you gotta be the change. You know, start show it's, that right, like in the bottom up. Show showing the other teams this is what we do, making it very transparent. Um, yeah, I, I think this really makes me think about like the 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 broken window analogy, right? You know, you you have a broken window, and if you just leave it that way, like people are just gonna think that's normal, right? And it's like okay, like I can have broken windows and that's just considered normal and and be be the one that that keeps the the very manicured lawn and and landscaping so that all your neighbors are like oh i should probably do that so i don't fall behind uh you can be the one that elicits change in an organization uh, even just by caring about your system well uh that's it for for this week uh, so I want to take the opportunity to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to today's episode of Launch with Tech Leaders. Uh, hopefully the conversation was good and hopefully you will own your own destiny uh, going out of this. Uh, and we would love to have you for the next episode. Um, I don't know what we're going to discuss next episode. I think we might be talking about auto GPT. I think I think that's the next thing going back in our AI track. So Oh, boy. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and as always, the episode will feature expert guests and interactive conversations. So be sure to tune in and uh, have a great day. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks too.